Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the You're Still Out Golf Podcast. I'm your host, JT. Per the usual, when you hear special intro music, we have a very special edition podcast. Before we get to our Scotland golf trip preview, I uh, want to uh, tell you, unfortunately, where we're not going to be, but you should be which is the Lincoln Park Club Championship. Still, as you're listening to this, a couple of days to get signed up. July 8th and 9th, right here at Lincoln Park, the longest-running municipal club championship in the city will be taking place. 18 holes on the east course on Saturday, 18 holes on the west course on Sunday. A lot of great prizes, a lot of great swag that you'll be taking home and most importantly taking home the pride of participating in the club championship here at Lincoln Park you can go to okcgolf.com to sign up one thing want to address and get out in front of uh, we are slated to do a third book review pod on the long golden afternoon we like to hold ourselves accountable to our schedule unfortunately folks Terrible book. We, we borderline could not get through it. Thought it would be a poor listening experience. And so just like, um, you know, Muggsy Bogues back in the 90s, we stuck and pivoted to something you're really going to enjoy, which is a breakdown of our upcoming golf trip to Scotland. Therefore, need to welcome in my co-host for today's pod. You know him as J-Hop. Justin Hoppick. Hop, welcome back to the You're Still Out podcast. I can tell that you are jacked up on Mountain Dew, ready to get across the pond and play some Lynx, true Lynx golf. Hey, JT. Dude, I don't know if I've ever been as excited as I am to be on your pod today. So pumped up. I'm, I'm going to try to calm it down for the listeners. Um, but, uh, man, excited to be here. Can't wait to chat about uh, our, our upcoming trip. Research last night got me, got me really jacked. We are, uh, we are at a fever pitch recording this uh, before either one of us uh, take off over to the UK, uh, but we'll be dropping this as you're listening to it, listener, uh, a couple of days after the 4th of July. You know, we want to get past the national holiday here before we allow you to turn your attention to our former uh, rulers over there in Great Britain. A little bit of an agenda here. We are going to obviously talk about each of the courses that we're going to play. We're going to talk a little bit about some things we hope to get ourselves into, some things we're excited about, and we will hear actually from uh, our other two compatriots that are going to be joining us. Uh, we're splitting this into a bit of a uh, divide-and-conquer situation. Uh, Hop and uh, big Cody Fisher going to take on the first half of the trip before myself and Zach McGill join up for the second half. So wanted to, uh, to get you an understanding of where we are headed. Hop, any other uh, any other things to add to the context before we get going here? I don't think so. I think I think that's a, a good idea. Give them an agenda of, of what we're going to talk about today. Tell them what we're going to talk about and then talk about it. Um, but first, before we get into the details, kind of, I think it's a good idea for you to um, 
give the listeners an idea of the genesis of the trip. How did it come about? Whose idea was it? Who gets credit? Uh, how did it come together? Ah, good call. Good call. Um, yeah, I think the genesis of it really was from having Scottish golf and in particular golf in St. Andrews and even more localized golfing the old course as the number one thing on my two bullet bucket list. And so obviously it takes a lot of time, energy, and most importantly resources to go play golf in Scotland. And so getting into uh, to my forties here, uh, wanted to, to make that happen and told my wife, uh, beautiful wife, Sarah, that, uh, Scottish golf trip, uh, 2023. And again, this is probably at least a year, if not 18 months in the planning. And she said, um, man, that sounds awesome. And you're not going without me. So had to, <laughs> <laughs> so had to not necessarily negotiate, but get into family trip planning mode. And yes. so, uh, me, my wife and my two kiddos, uh, nine-year-old twins, Cooper and Avery are going to go over for a week, explore London for a few days, take an overnight train up to Edinburgh and have a uh, Scottish experience with the family for a few days uh, before shipping them back and uh, getting to the golf. So that's really kind of the genesis of it, to be honest with you, was high on the bucket list, had to do it, but also realized, you know what, this is a big deal and the whole family should get the experience. And so we had to had to delay it a little bit, save up a little bit extra money. You know, we pay cash in the Teal household. We're not going to finance any vacations, folks. The uh, the financial webinar, it will be coming soon from the You're Still Out Golf podcast. But that was the genesis. And then it dovetailed nicely. You went to Ireland last September and kind of kind of got yep. both of us even more hot and bothered for, for Lynx Golf. It's like we joined forces to get over to Scotland. So that's kind of how it all came about. And then uh, well, it was just going to be you and I, right? I mean, it was going to be like, hey, yeah, yeah the, the less folks, the better in terms of like logistics and figuring it out. But we kind of got a little further into it and realized, you know what, you know, we, we should try to fill out the foursome. And, and, and boy, did we. Well, I think that's good strategy for everybody out there. If, if us, you know, we've tried we've, we've planned multiple trips before. And I'm sure other people have and and they run into the same hurdle, you know. Everybody, if you try to please everybody, you're not going to get everybody to go. Everybody's got so busy and got different schedules. If you ask your three favorite buddies, hey, when can you go? You're not going to, the dates aren't going to match up. It's going to be really tough to do. And so me and you got our dates lined up and then we're like, hey, you know, reached out. Hey, here's when we're going. If you can make it happen, fantastic. And and that's how, you know, we got got Cody Cody and, and Zach on board. Well, that takes us to Cody and Zach, and you're right. That's great buddyship advice. Is like one person really needs to say, "Here, be committed to going by yourself." And yeah. here's what I'm doing. Here's the dates. Would love you to join me. And that way, it's easier to edit than it is to create. And you can just go down your list of preferred golfing buddies. That's not necessarily how we did it here. We truly intended for this to just be us. But then it's like, ah. Eh, you know, big yeah. fish. We're always on golf threads with him. He would probably be a little upset if we didn't at least throw him the invite. And lo and behold, he can make it yeah. happen. So that's how it works. So cast of characters for the trip. We have dubbed our group Yanks on Holiday. Uh, four <laughs> red-blooded Americans going over to the UK on 4th of July, Independence Day week, no less. And wanted you to hear from our other two 
playing partners on this trip. So what we did, we asked them, hey, kind of let the folks know who you are. You know, give us your name, but more importantly, give us what everybody else calls you. Give us your nickname. Of course, give us some insight into your handicap. What level of player are you? Uh, and then give us a sense of what course you're most looking forward to. And then, uh, because we like to hold ourselves accountable and set goals, give me. A, give, we asked them to give us what's your what's your expectations, right? Low score of the trip, high score of the trip, and it was very interesting to hear from them. So we're going to start with our guy um, Cody Fisher. Yeah, he lives the RV life hop, kind of chases the sun. So it'll be interesting to see how his game travels to uh, chilly <laughs> and wet uh, Scotland. Uh, but again, here is what Cody had to say. What's up, everybody? Cody Fisher here, uh, a.k.a. Big Fish, uh, a.k.a. Codeman. College buddies call me Big Time Fish because uh, they would say it's my alter ego. Uh, and Big Time Fish always showed up to Big Time events. So, current handicap, according to the Grint, is a 7. I probably identify more like a 10 at the moment. Of course that I am most looking forward to, I mean, if, if we say anything other than the old course, like are we even real golfers? So, non-old non course division. I'm pretty excited about North North Berwick. Uh, looking forward to that one. Range of scores, man, we could get we could get anything. Uh, I'm gonna go 67 as a possible low, 89 as a possible high. Could could get anything over there. So we'll uh, we'll see how it goes. Peace. All right, there's Big Fish, Code Man. I don't, I don't know about uh, Big Time Fish. I, I, maybe that was left back in college. That seems like something that has uh, has has vacated the premises. I, I got to take umbrage here right off the top with with Fish. Uh, first of all, I love a, a, a ten handicap and identifying as a ten handicap, saying he's going to shoot a sixty nine on the trip. I mean, I, I love the 67. irrational. He said 67, and I, I was like, oh. I mean, I think that uh, you know, any, anything with a six in front of it is, is, is irrational confidence from our, from our 10, 7 to 10 handicap friend, uh, Big Fish. And then, guys, and I think I have to correct you on this too, Hop. It's North Berwick. I know Barrick. that it is uh, spelled was... Berwick, but it's Berwick. Yes. So, Cody, skip come on. Du- skip the W's over there. When well, I was we... in Ireland and I ordered a Smithwick's, they quickly corrected me. It's Smittix. There's no W. There's no it, 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 even in even in Ireland and Scotland. Don't pronounce the W's. Right. So I, I'm gonna I'll do a pronunciation guide. So I, I just don't want the uh, kind of our Scottish listeners to get all up, you know, in our keisters about mispronunciation right in the first ten minutes of our our Scotland preview pod. So there's Big Fish. Uh, now gonna hear from our guy Zach. McGill, longtime friend of mine from my days down in Chickasha, Oklahoma. Shout out to the Fighting Chicks. Uh, Zach, one of the finest humans on the planet. Can't wait to get Zach over to Scotland. He's of Scottish descent, and so a bit of, a bit of home game models kind of popping off the charts here. But uh, here's our guy, McGill. 
What's up, fellas? This is John Zacharias McGill, birth date 5-17-80. Little guy went by Zacky Packy, gone by Z-Mac. I've been called by some of my construction guys. Boss man can go by Z-Man or McGill. Whatever you guys figure out on the trip is fine with me. We will uh, get to all that. Cannot wait to get over there. Super excited. I like what Fish said about outside of the old course, so going with that theme. I'd say Crail, Crail Golf Society has just a, a pretty sweet name. I have not looked into all the courses and all the layouts, so I'm excited just to golf over there in general. I'm excited about the trip. I typically play at about a 12 handicap. Currently in the middle of remapping my swing plane, so continuing to line that out, so we'll <laughs> see how, how everything goes over there. I'd hope lows in the 77 maybe uh, range, and then high could be 95, 97. Some of those courses could definitely get tough. And it'll kind of depend on the conditions and how things go. I'm super excited. feel like I've been running a sprint for five to six weeks between work and home and everything else. So I'm super excited to get over there with you guys. Uh, it's going to be an awesome trip. There you have it. Reactions to our man, Zach Mack, and his, uh, his bio there. Uh, he's looking forward to, uh, you know, running into the the – long lost cousins. Um, and, uh, I think the, the first thing that scares me is, uh, going through a swing change while on a golf trip. Uh, that's, uh, not what you want to be hearing. Um, if he's your partner, um, and I believe he's your partner for most of the, the matches. It sounds like you, you guys are, are we going to, are we big fish? Yeah. We're going to get into that now. We're going to get that now. I, I love again, the irrational confidence from both of our, our partners yes. here because, uh, Zach, yes, throws out on the uh, the Yanks on Holiday text thread uh, a challenge match uh, for select days and select courses where myself and Zach Mack will be taking on uh, J-Hop and Big Fish and what I'm sure will be just a, a total gentleman's duel over there uh, in the Lynx land. It, it's, not, it's not as bad. I love that my boy Cody is covering all his bases by saying that he's got a 67 in the bag, but he's really a 10 handicap. <laughs> <laughs> like, like I I'm going to average shooting 85, but I got a 67 in there. You know, <laughs> maybe, maybe he's hoodwinking us, hoodwinking us that one of the courses that we're playing, like, uh, is like a par 65 or something. Yeah. You know, okay. Or, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I haven't seen that in any of our itinerary, but maybe he knows something we don't. He, t- he texted me yesterday and said, hey, do you think we could find a 3,000-yard, a, a like, nine-holer or 2,500-yard nine-holer that we could fit in? Maybe maybe that there's that's where he's getting the the, the yeah, 60s. I, I think he may get us with the technicality on that one and kind of kind of say gotcha at the <laughs> end of the trip. But it, it, It's a true when he's under par, he has to call the commission and tell him what tees he's playing from uh, to make it, you know, legit. Absolutely. Yeah. Got to call the sweet C-suite. I, I think, I think uh, since I'm on this trip, I think the founder, Mr. Needham, probably has to serve as our. If anybody's under par on thirteen, we got to make the uh, yeah. send the, uh, the the courier pigeon back across the pond to to tell the C suite about it. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right, but before we deep dive into our course list, want to hit you guys, uh, listeners, with some Scottish golf facts and just a little bit of Scottish geography. It's funny. I think we all know where Scotland's at, generally speaking, until you get over there or plan to go over there you don't really look that closely into these things but i want you to kind of think about uh, the um, country of scotland 
uh, in terms of uh, if you were to say what shape is it, it's sort of like a bear, kind of like a polar bear side profile, right? So if you can think about the side profile of a polar bear, the, uh, the head of that polar bear is going to be the highlands where you have courses like Royal Dornick and Castle Stewart. Um, the uh, kind of the, the outward facing paws of that bear would be the northeast coast where you have courses like Royal Aberdeen and Cruden Bay. Then we get down into what we would call the belly of that sidewards facing polar bear, St. Andrews uh, and the, uh, the area of Fife, again, the old course, Carnoustie, etc. And then what we'll call the little nubby tail of the bear, uh, Western Scotland courses like Prestwick, Royal Troon, and the like. So again, a little bit of geography there. Uh, everybody knows that Scotland is the home of golf. And just to give you a sense of that, uh, the history of golf in Scotland goes back all the way to 1457, where the main elements of kind of modern Lynx golf were created. Uh, first named golfer of all time, King James IV, 1502, one of our, one of our hitters over there, KG4, absolutely was just a menace on the links. Uh, links, what does that even mean, Hop? What are we even doing here? What is links golf, folks? I, he, I think links gets tossed around too much. It is not a links course unless it is on land that links the beach and the ocean to the farmland of low-lying Scotland. So it's really this almost useless land for any other purpose but golf. Right? So there's a little bit of history, a little bit of insight into golf. Uh, and now let's take a deep dive into where we're going and what we're doing. I mentioned off the jump, a bit of a divide and conquer hop. So you're getting out first hitting the highlands with big fish kind of joining you a few days into that trip. So let's go over your itinerary first. I want you to hit me kind of with a quick hitting list, and then I'll ask you a, a question or two about each course. That sound good? Sounds good, bud. All right, so first one that I've got tee times for is Cabot Highlands, and I'll, I'll, I'll just play 18 that day, followed by the next day I've got 36 at Brora and Royal Dornick. Okay. Those I'm playing by myself, and then I meet up with Cody and Aberdeen uh, down around the, you know, head east around the coast and play Cruden Bay. And then the following day is where we meet up with you, um, you know, just east of Edinburgh, and uh, we head down to play North Berwick. Perfect, perfect. So let's, let's, let's pause right there, right, because I think that, you know, you're yep. intimately familiar with the courses that are on the first half of your trip, and so I, I kind of want to go over each one. And I will say Edinburgh is a tough pronunciation, right? But that, I got to correct <laughs> you. So the way that I've been teaching Cooper, my son Cooper, is the Edin part uh -huh. is easy. The E-D-I-N, Edin. But the how you do the second part Edin. is you just say burr like you're cold. Edinburgh. 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 Yeah. Edinburgh. Somehow, the so G, somehow the G-H turns into a, like an R sound. It's, it's wild. So I, I'm just playing, playing, you know, dumb for for the listeners here. That you know, <laughs> for the for the the preview pod, we're gonna mess everything up, and then after we go over there and we learn and we come back in the review pod, 
We're going to be pronouncing everything right. We're going to know everything about the different courses, and, and like we're going to rehash all of our predictions and expectations. Yeah, right? what, a, what a great actor you are. What a great actor. Okay. No problem. I do, I do what I can. So let's start with Cabot Highlands. And this may be a course that folks are like, Cabot Highlands? Like, right. I kind of know my Scottish golf. I, what is Cabot Highlands? So let, let's start there. Yep, no problem. So, I mean, basically, I fly into Edinburgh and then drive a couple hours north to the Highlands to the Inverness area. And that's where I spend the first few days where you find basically they would know it as Castle Stewart, but it recently got taken over by the Cabot Lynx group of golf courses um, and they've renamed it Cabot Highlands. This is a Gil Hans original design. So it's an, it's a modern course. Um, it's, th- it's ranked 33rd best course in the world you can play. So most people have probably heard of this course. Um, and they've also hired Tom Doak to design a new course set to open next year there. So Cabot Highlands, uh, very highly ranked. A lot of people know it, but most people know it as Castle Stewart. The next course I head to uh, the following day where I play 36 is uh, Brora and Royal Dornick. Brora was established in 1892, not a modern golf course. 1892, um, folks. By- a lot of 1800s you're going to hear on our course list. <laughs> you're going <laughs> to, yep, no doubt. Um, and this one was designed by James Braid, really well known architect over in Scotland designed a number of courses over there um and it remains mostly untouched um on his design and, and it remains very much a james bray design today um it's uh not as not as well known maybe you've heard of it maybe you haven't it's kind of probably on the fringe there maybe not uh but definitely not one to be skipped it's not i wouldn't call it a hidden gem a, a lot of people have heard of it the other one that i'm playing that day is royal dornick um and this one could be the one I'm looking forward to the most, probably because I didn't know that much about it. But the more research I've done, I'm finding this one to be oftentimes people's favorite course that they play on their Scotland trip. It is really highly ranked. Um, this one was was formed in 1877 and designed by Old Tom Morris. You're going to hear that name a whole lot Old Tom. on this pod. Old Tom, the, the GOAT. Um, this one is ranked the fifth best course in the world that you can play. Okay. Um, it is also one of only three courses that Tom Doak ranked near perfect on the, on the Doak scale. The other, one of the others being the old course. So this one is, is extremely highly ranked. The final course that that I hit before joining up with you is Cruden Bay. This one is probably the most polarizing that we're going to play because it's a little more like an, an Irish um, style links where it's got bigger dunes and blind tee shots. Um, me and Big Fish are going to meet up, play a match there. Um, this one was another Tom, old Tom Morris design that opened in 1899. Highly ranked, 30th best course you can play in the world. One, one that you're going to find on a lot of people's itineraries. The next day, after we hit Croon Bay, Cody and I are going to head south, and we're going to come pick you up. Um East of Edinburgh, and uh, in what is it? East Lothian is that right? East Lothian would be the—I don't know if that's the county or the region, uh, but okay. again, if we're if we're talking geography, if you again, yeah. you get that side profile of the polar bear. We are getting down into the belly of that bear. So think about the belly button of that bear being Edinburgh. 
So directly yeah. east of Edinburgh is this area called East Lothian, uh, which is where uh, the <coughs> golf course of North Berwick resides, uh, which Beautiful. I believe is where we are uh, are picking up from there. Now, I will say at this point, while it is not true Lynx golf, about as close as you can get to Lynx golf in the great state of Oklahoma, or frankly, in a tri-state region of Texas, Oklahoma, Kansas, would be Boiling Springs Golf Club season, summer peak season is here. The golf course is in mint condition because of all the work that Jeff Wagner, Ivan Solis, and the boys up at Boiling Springs put in during the 100 days of hell, as they call it, uh, summer in Oklahoma golf from a superintendent standpoint. But they do it all for you. Get up there, stay and play package at the Candlewood Suites with unlimited golf at Boiling Springs. Only $80 by yourself, excuse me, $80 with a buddy or $110 by yourself. Go to BoilingSpringsGolfClub.com to book your stay and play package today. Put YSO Golf, all caps, in the additional information and you will get yourself a co-branded Boiling Springs. You're still out hat compliments of Boiling Springs Golf Club. So where do we go from here, Hop? All right, JT, now that I've talked about my lone wolf part of the trip, how about you take us through the rest of the itinerary where we're playing and, and a little bit about each one of those stops? I would love to. Let me give you a quick rundown of the courses we're going to be playing. In the regions of East Lothian and we are starting the proceedings at North Barrick Golf Club on uh, that first day that we are all together. We will then uh, find our lodging in the university town of St. Andrews and play a 36-hole day of Crail Golf Club and Ely Golf Club on the second day. The third day, we have reserved to play the old course, I am going to talk in depth here, Hop, uh, once we get into the details about how we are going about getting on the old course. That's always interesting for people to hear the way that that happens. So make sure that I cover that once we get to the old. And then we have a backup tee time, if you will, booked on Jubilee there in St. Andrews. Uh, and then uh, an afternoon uh, excuse me, the next day on the new course. Again, new course is funny because it was opened in 1895, but we'll get there. <laughs> and then our last tee time of the trip is the Castle course, which is on the other end of the spectrum, opened uh, in 2008. And we'll get into that. <clears throat> so one caveat to the itinerary there, bud, as you know, but our listeners should know, is the way that we booked this for the St. Andrews courses we were able to book one tea time each day in advance. And again, so those are Jubilee, New, and Castle. We will book a second tea time each day for one of the other multitude of courses they have there in the town of St. Andrews. Kind of the tentative plan is to play the Eden course on an afternoon round, uh, the uh, Balgrove course on an afternoon round, and then, uh, again, the hope is the Jubilee is our second round of the day uh, playing the old course. So we'll get into all that. But, again, quick hitting list, North Barrick, Crail, 
Ely, the old course, Jubilee, New, and Castle. Sounds good. How about uh, walking everybody through a little bit about each one of those? Absolutely. So uh, we just want to go in chronological order. <clears throat> let's start with let's start with North Barrick. So you're going to hear the name as we've already said, Old Tom Morris. Quite a bit, <laughs> quite a bit. Old Tom, really the father of Scottish golf course design. Uh, young Tom Morris, his son, also was a champion golfer and uh, designed uh, with his dad a few golf courses as well. But North Barrick, you heard. Uh, Cody, while he mispronounced it, saying it's his his most anticipated course of the trip, and it's because many of the holes that we find across the world of golf are really replicas, not replicas, templates of holes at North Berwick. It's, it's rated as the 18th best golf course in the entire world that you can play. Uh, some of the most famous holes are the original Redan, even the most, Hop, wouldn't you say even the most... Um, neophyte of golf course architecture um, folks would know the word Redan, and that's where it all started. I believe that's the 16th hole there at North Berwick. Another very famous hole is called Pit, where an ancient stone wall kind of fronts the green. So you literally have to hit over this three-foot-high wall on your second shot, and the more that you hug the wall on the tee shot, the easier of a shot that you have, the further away you get from that wall, which is a more of a bailout tee shot, the harder it is to get it over that wall and land it on the green. So definitely those are two holes very much looking forward to at North Barrick. I'd be shocked if, if people haven't seen photos of pictures of that hole for years. Yeah, very, very famous hole, certainly if you've done any Googling around of Scottish golf. So that is North Barrick. Next up, we've got Crail on the itinerary. Tell us a little bit about Crail. Crail is one that we discovered through uh, No Laying Up videos, I believe is how we kind of sussed that one out. 1895 by the master himself, Old Tom. It actually has 36 holes. Come to find out, the, the second of their 18-hole um, courses, super old as well, but also has a redesign by Gil Hance. So he's done some work over there. We're not very likely to get to play that one unless we just get crazy and get up and play a 54-hole day. Uh, but Crail is one we're super excited about. Again, our, our our good, very good friend, old Tom Morris, 1895. Not not one to sleep on there. If, uh, if, if the course that's not as popular there is designed by Gil Hans, and that's the one that people are skipping, Crail uh, is probably uh, a, a pretty good one to hit. So looking forward to that one. Um, the second one we play that day is Ely, and definitely they, they've got a little quirk there. I'd love for you to tell them, you know, what happens if you don't follow the uh, the the <laughs> the clothing um, rules there. What happens if you show up and, and you break one of the one of their rules there? Yeah, so Ely, uh, they call it the Golf House Club. And one thing that's interesting about Scottish golf hop and UK golf in general, back in the day multiple golf clubs would share a golf course, right? Because uh, there Ooh. weren't, there weren't as many golf courses. And so in this case, the golf house club is the club that is, um, resides at Ely links. Uh, but the interesting thing about Ely from a, from a quirk standpoint is one of the, uh, 
rules in terms of attire. Attire, right? So this one was dress formed, code. This one was formed in 1832, guys. 1832. We're talking pre-industrial revolution, and apparently, it was very important that guys did not show any ankle or calf because their rule is you either wear long pants or they force you to buy bright colored socks and pull them up over your knees. So they're very anti-skin at Ely. Too sexy. Too sexy. Ankles are too sexy, baby. That is tawdry behavior. We do not need it. There is no place for it at uh, the golf house club. The, the, ladies, the ladies of Ely, the ladies of Ely, they can't handle it. It's too much. They can't. They're fanning they themselves. Some it's, 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 it's too much for them to handle. Now, I will say one of the things that's very cool about Ely, right off of the fourth tee box of all places, there is a bar that's literally right across the little street that you can duck into for a quick pint if it's not too busy. Oh, out I forgot about that. So be on the lookout. They call it, it's called the 19th hole. But if it's not too busy out there, you can actually slip over, have a quick pint after you kind of got your juices flowing for the round. You can get your juices flowing in your veins. Fourth uh, hole halfway house. Yeah, yeah. It's it's more of a it's uh it's not it's not so much a halfway house as it is a right. Let's make sure you have a great day house. Love it. Can't wait. All right, next one on on our agenda, and we say agenda because it's the only one that we don't have a set tea time for. That we're, we're, we've been working hard on getting a tee time here for at least a year. And the whole itinerary is built around it. And it's the old course. So how are we getting on the old course, JT? I'm going to go through in depth how we are going to get on and how anyone you can get on. Anyone yeah. can get on the old course. Let me, let me get through a little bit of history. Literally okay. the most famous golf course in the world. When you think about the global nature of golf and where golf started, it is known as the home of golf, even though golf was played other places before it was played on the links of the old course. 1552. 1552. <laughs> golf was first played on these links. Uh, the course has really ever evolved over the hundreds and hundreds of years, really without a professional architect even, until a guy named Daw Anderson came in in the 1850s. But really where it came into its own, 1865 to 1908, so we're talking about a 40-year stretch where old Tom kind of continued to tinker with the course and uh, where we find it today. Old Tom, largely credited with being the uh, the golf course architect of the Master Place, literally ranked as the number one best course you can play in the entire world. Uh, we're just coming off a 2022 where the 150th Open Championship was played on the links of the old course, obviously Cam Smith nipping our guy Rory there to uh, to hoist the claret jug. So just nowhere is there more history than at the old course of St. Andrews. A lot of folks just refer to it as playing St. Andrews, and not many people know that there are literally, are we at eight? seven or yeah, eight golf courses I think. in this tiny town. I mean, this town is probably the size of, again, using an Oklahoma reference. I know we have worldwide listeners, but... I mean, it's a town the size of maybe like Perry, Oklahoma. I mean, super small. It has a university, yeah. but we're talking super small population and has seven golf courses that are all within walking distance of each other. Uh, again, many of which we're going to play. Uh, but 
there are several ways you can get on the old course. So if this high, if this pod is getting you hyped up to plan your Scottish golf trip for 2024 or beyond, really, I would I would limit it to three ways. One, you well, my four ways. You can pony up the big bucks and go through a golf course trip operator that have guaranteed tee times for the old course. If it's like I'm leaving nothing to chance, I'm throwing all the money at it. You can go through a golf trip operator. They will 100% get you guaranteed tee times. Number two, and the first attempt that we made to get old course tee times is in the month of October for the upcoming year, they open up what's called the advance ballot. And you put in your information and they do a random, true random lottery for tee times for the next year. You give them three times that you can play. And if you're selected, you do have an advanced booking tee time. We weren't lucky enough to get that. Once you are on site in St. Andrews, you can do what's called the two-day ballot, which we will be doing. But by 2 p.m., two days before you want to play, you enter that ballot, you enter how many players you have, you cross your fingers and hope that you get more like 24, 48 hours of notice of what your tee time is. However, what seems to be the foolproof, very, very rare for you to not get a tee time method is to show up at the check-in pavilion there on the links of St. Andrews. And what equates to camping out all night and being the first in line whenever at 6 a.m. they open the golf house, you go in and you see what they have. They call that the singles queue. And so what you do is you are ready to go at 6 a.m. They open the doors. You hope to be, in our case, the first four people in that line. And they say, we've got a single at 7.30 a.m. We got a twosome at 12 p.m. And we got a single at 5 p.m. And you say, yes, 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 we will take them. And so that is the foolproof method and the one we will be embarking on. Now, they tell you, Hop, that, you know, you really don't need to get there before 4 a.m., 3 a.m. to be (laughs) early in line. Tell the folks that we're not going to take any chances. Tell them our strategy. We're showing up the night before. I'm going to try to find, you know, a local place that sells pillows and, like, a, a thin mattress pad because we plan to be there all night so that we are the first in line. And like you said, our expectations are that we're probably not going to get to play together. Um, that's why they call it the singles queue. We're getting fit in, you know, where there's spots, we get in where you fit in. Um, but we're not taking any chances. We are taking no chances. I think a nice late 10 PM dinner is in order and we go straight over. We stretch out, we roll up a hoodie, we, bundle up and we just are going to concrete bet it for being the true first in line. I don't care what anybody says. We are not taking chances. So that would be the Saturday that we're all together Saturday, July 8th. So if you're throwing good vibes our way, please do so overnight. (laughs) I guess for what in the States would be, you know, sort of like 4 a.m. to uh, I don't even know what it would be. I, I, I can't do math well. But basically, we're going to show up at midnight on the 8th, uh, which is going to be about 6 p.m. on the 7th here in the States. So send us good vibes for our old course sleepover. Jubilee. I'm going to take you there next, bud. It is the third course 
ever right. created in the St. Andrews Links Trust, again, designed by Old Tom Morris, 1897. Old Tom! Morris, the goat. Old Tom! It a significant redesign in 88 by Donald Steele and is really now thought of as the toughest of the St. Andrews Links courses. And so Jubilee will either A, be our backup course if something goes terribly awry and we don't get our old course tee time, or um, be our second tee time of the day uh, there in St. Andrews. After Jubilee, where's our tee time the next day, bud? Well, this is hilarious, and I alluded to it earlier. It's the new course. N-E-W. Built in 2008? Built in 1895. That's how new it is. Again, old Tom Morris. He got the old course up and running. He shifted to the new course, uh, often referred to as the best-kept secret in Lynx golf. We are super excited to play the new course designed by old Tom. And I will say that... The new course has been known to be a little bit more forgiving and a little bit more easy to figure out the first time around. It's been said okay. that if, you, if you've played the old course less than 10 times and say that you like it, you're lying. So that's kind of interesting <laughs> that it's an acquired taste. But uh, the new course, gonna be, go ahead. It is going to be interesting when we do a recap pod, like is the new course going to be sneaky like one of our top three favorites? I do think it will be one of our top three favorites. Because of that, it's a little bit less tricky to figure out. People seem to enjoy it their first, second loop around. And so I'm super excited about the new course. Uh, and I think it's just hilarious that something that's built in 1895 can be called new. And then Love the it. final tee time that we have set up ahead of time, again, is the Castle course, a brand new course by St. Andrew's standards, opened in <laughs> 2008, designed by... David McClay Kidd, if that name sounds a little bit familiar, it's because he designed the first course at Bandon Dunes, uh, known by the same name, Bandon Dunes. I think that uh, also of note, Tom Doak, the very famous golf course architect who everybody seems to take their cues from, he gave it a zero. You said earlier that Royal Dornick got a 10. He gave this a <laughs> zero on his scale and another really prominent golf course architect writer, John Huggin called it unplayable, but I know that you have a little bit more to unpack on, on DMK and his style that has uh, kind of evolved over the years. Yeah. David McClick. Now he he's of Scottish descent. So this is not crazy for him to get to design a course over there. Um, but, you know, watching the, the old no laying up videos, you know, that one of my favorite, quotes is is him talking about when he designed tethro and up in oregon and he designed the castle course this around the same time that he designed tethro and he says you know when i was designing these courses i was going through a divorce and i was angry upset sad and i wanted everybody else to be upset and sad and and, <laughs> and just and so i designed courses that were very penal and I won a lot of awards for those, but people didn't have much fun playing those courses. And so, you know, it's something that I kind of regret. And as my career progressed on, I started designing courses that were that that's a little more forgiving and more fun to play. Cause that's what, you know, the average golfer cares about not getting ejected when they hit a good shot. 
Very well said. And I believe he's come back in and softened it up a bit, if I understand. Both, honestly, both at Tethero and um, for the Castle Course. Tethero's been softened up a bit. I believe, I believe yep, the Castle Course I played Tethero last well. year, and, and it, it was fantastic. So there are the, uh, at least on the official itinerary courses, uh, but again, want to um, shout out the other courses that we are very likely to play. Uh, the Eden course, a 1914 Harry Colt design. Harry Colt is a name you hear a lot over in the UK when it comes to golf course construction and design because after this kind of golden age, their golden age of the 1850s to you know, 1910 or so, and the old Toms of the world were dying off, Harry Colt comes in and just absolutely is a prolific golf course architect out of England and in 1914 built the Eden course. Uh, also there in the St. Andrews Lynx Trust rotation, t- tough pronunciation, I believe it's Strathurum course. Uh, again, brand new by those standards, 1993, uh, kind of designed to complement the tougher championship layouts, uh, but right there in the heart of St. Andrews. And then one that I, I hope we get a chance uh, when we're worn out, maybe on that last day after getting beat up by DMK, uh, the Balgove course, mm-hmm. uh, just a little nine-holer right there at the home of golf, kind of caters to families, children, and beginner, but it seems like a great way to kind of have some fun, end up our amazing epic golf trip by uh, a little, little. it's not a pitch and putt. I mean, it's a true nine-hole course, but I think that will be just the uh, the elixir that we need coming off DMK kind of kicking us in the nuts uh, in the parlance of the times uh, at the Castle course. So so there's the lineup. Uh, That's a great – I like that strategy, yeah, just – Going going home happy, not not with uh, our, our tail between our legs from from DMK. Absolutely, because uh, it uh, the worst the worst thing you want to do on a golf trip is spend all this money, spend all this time, and then the last thing you do before you get on the plane is wish you wouldn't have gone because you shot 108 at the Castle Course. So we are gonna we'll, we'll ease into <laughs> it and ease out of it when it comes to the golf courses. All right, dude, that's a great transition to. My favorite, I, I think what I'm looking forward to most on this pod and, and the outline that you gave is, is getting into some predictions and uh, talking about, you know, you know, are we going to, you know, what's going to be our merch strategy? How many balls do you take in? Stuff like that. So let, let's get into that. All right. Well, let's just, let's just go, uh, you know, speaking of who knows what kind of formats we'll get ourselves into over there. Let's go a little alt shot right here. Let's just fire back and forth at each other. Some fun questions for the listeners to get some insight into. We're, we're, I'm going to let you go first as my as my my uh, my honored guest. All right, so we let Cody and Zach already kind of give us the state of their game and and kind of their expectations for what they're going to shoot high, low. Love to hear JT from you. Like, what do you think? What what are your expectations going in? How's the game feeling? Walk us through uh, what you think. That way, when we come back, we can we can see how how we did. That's a great question in terms of I don't really know how to answer what is the state of my game. I guess it's (laughs) how it's always been. Very uh, depends on what day we turn up. I will say that I'm very, very, very happy with a change that I made about six weeks ago going into our 
kind of Nebraska trip back at the first part of June, first weekend of June. I have really throughout the bag, even with the driver now, I realized that when I had a in-between yardage, right, and um, I don't know if I should hit, let's say, the 8 or the 9, and I would choke down a half inch on the 9, I would consistently hit the ball left, like a nice little, very subtle draw. draw. But I wasn't aiming for that. And the more I thought about it, it's like, you know what? Every time I choke down and have a kind of a a half shot, the ball's going left. What if I just did that all the time? What would my ball flight look like? Could I rely on that as a as a ball flight, specifically with my irons and hop? I know you've already heard this story, but I'm talking flush city USA. I'm ball flights <laughs> that I have never seen. We're talking for me, high little draws. I can get to back left pins. Yep. Honestly, the further I choke down the more I can rely on it. So there are times when I uh, choke down a whole inch on purpose to hit that ball yeah. right to the left. So I'm thrilled. I had a couple shots this past week I've never hit before. So happy about that. But I can vouch for that. I've, I've seen you doing that. What what I think I'm nervous about, because I think we could get to a course where you beat me straight up, because your short game's so good, but you've also started working on putting from off the green, being 10 yards back. And I've seen you hole shots from 10 yards off the green with your putter. Um, and I think if we get to a course where it's not about, you know, hitting the perfect fairway shot, hitting the perfect approach shot, but it's more about your short game around the green, I'm going to be in trouble and, and you're going to be in a really good spot. And honestly, I'm counting on that. I'm counting on uh, the <laughs> firm and fast nature of those yeah, golf courses, which I'm, which I'm getting word it's a hot boy summer over there, and we're going to have baked out conditions <laughs> that would absolutely just, just tickle us to death to find once we roll up over to the Scottish Lynx. I think that will neutralize everybody's uh, distance gains on me because my ball yeah. flight t- tends to be low. I'm going to get a lot of run out. So I think that's going to neutralize things. And then yes, the short game has always been my strength. You're right. I have been practicing from putting off the green. Anytime I have an opportunity, I know that at Jimmy Austin, kind of those Zoysia surrounds have allowed me to put a lot uh, Our Nebraska trip there at wild horse. You can rely on being able to put from off the green and, and it rolling out true. So yeah, super excited I'm the one that should be having irrational confidence. Not I play once a month at best Cody Fisher, but we'll leave that give there. A, give us give us what your low round is going to be then. Uh, I would say low round is going to be 76. Ooh, I love it. High round is going to probably be 92. I'm sure we're going to have a, a day of, of tough weather conditions that the ball is going to be going sideways yeah. and there's no way to stop it. So I'm going to say uh, 76 to 92 is my my score range. What's, what's, we'll just go right there right now. What, what's your range of scores? What are you, what are you predicting? Uh, well, Which, by the way, you're a, z- you're a zero, right? So unlike these uh, irrational optimists saying they're going to shoot great scores – as a uh, mid handicap, <laughs> single digit handicaps at best, you actually have a chance to shoot some low scores. So let's go a two part question, a very quick synopsis of where you feel like your game's at right now, and then tell me your high low. Yep. Uh, 
where my game's at right now, I, I, w- I would say it's probably uh, – I'd grade it a B-plus right now. It's it Usually August is when I peak. Um, not quite there yet, um, but, you know, depending on the day, the swing, it feels really, really good. Um, you know, for me, the story about scoring is going to be more about is the putter uh, solid that day, and really that, that comes down to mental. Um, and so I think I'm going to go with a low score for me of, of one under – um, and my high score, uh, definitely gonna gonna shoot at least once in the 80s. Um, I'm gonna go 82. Uh, a, a 10 over round is gonna be my high, um, but would be ecstatic if I break par one time on one of the courses over there. Um, and to go back to yours, when you said 76, I already had in my mind JT. That, that's my prediction for you as well. I, I think you walk away with a 76 from one of the courses. Well, look, it's gotta happen. I mean. Uh, 1776, a great year in American history over our <laughs> friends across the pond. Just, it, it makes too much sense, bro. I think a 76. We're not going to rub that in on them while we're over there, right? Oh, no, we're, we're playing it. Too yeah. obnoxious Americans. Yeah, we're playing it cool. I mean, it's like I, right. I, I take my OU head cover off every time I play Karsten Creek. I'm not going to roll up to the U.K. with my uh, – my stars and stripes, you know, patriotic, you know, hashtag America. Smart. Um, smart. On, so I, I think I think that's a smart strategy. Uh, we're gonna be we're gonna be gentlemen and and represent the states well. Um, but my next question for you is, you know, based on you know, how are you gonna shoot that seventy six? Are you are you taking a full set? Or are you going something a little more woke, a little more like uh, JT at, at Lincoln Park East? Are you doing like a seven club half set, or or what's the game plan? You know what I I um, it's funny when I saw that you had thrown that question on there. You know me well. I yeah. want I want to be bold and 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 commit on this podcast to say that I'm going to do nothing but play. A half set. I am taking what for me is a full set. I don't even have a full Good. set of golf clubs. I'm going to take the right. full set. You don't have 14. I do I not like have 14. Strategy, do not have 14, but I, 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 I have. Was gonna I, make, I think I've gotten up gonna, in the uh, double digits at this point in my bag in general. <laughs> I think that it's it's not so much from a woke standpoint. Uh, while certainly this trip is costing a pretty penny for everybody involved, I am trying to keep costs down. So I am hoping to never take a caddy and not rent a trolley, as they call them, a.k.a. push cart. And so I yep. think just from um, kind of an efficiency standpoint alone, I'm going to be carrying my bag nine rounds in five days. And so I think the half set throughout, you know, maybe just every other round, odds, evens, odds, evens, odds, evens, will be my, uh, my strategy. So, yes, I'm not necessarily going woke. I am going yeah. with logistical efficiency. Nice. I, I, I think that if you, if, cause you, you've made comments in, in our, in our thread that you were going to take a, a half set. And I think I, I like that you've changed your mind on that. Cause if you didn't take all your clubs, I was going to throw the rest of your clubs in my bag. Cause <laughs> I think uh, there's going to, there's going to be some old course, these old courses where the greens are tiny. And if you miss, if you miss your, your spot by 10 yards, it's not going to be an easy up and down. You, you know, sometimes you can get away with that with a half set and, and, you know, miss shots by 10 or 15 yards and get away with it. But if we've got to be really accurate with the irons, I think you're going to want the full set um, to shoot that 76. I agree. I agree. I think that uh, will be a smart kind of strategizing, which course do I think fits my game the best and going full set for that round and going, uh, going half sets for the remaining rounds. Now, speaking of efficiency, Yep. You know, on one hand, 
those courses are wide open. You can kind of spray the ball off the tee a little bit. On the other hand, if you happen to spray it too far, you may not find it. You're probably not going to find it, especially if you don't have four caddies and caddies. How many golf balls are you taking? And uh, I guess how many do you think you'll lose? So my game plan is to take nine balls. I think I think we've got uh, twelve courses on the list. Yeah, we've got we've got about twelve rounds planned. I'm taking nine balls. Um, I honestly I think I'm going to lose all nine of them, and I'll probably have to buy a sleeve. Um, I'm a little embarrassed to admit this, but when I went to Ireland, I had to buy a couple sleeves. I'd lost all my balls and still had three courses to play. So even though it seems like it's going to be, you know, wide open, I feel like we're going to play a course or two where you lose four or five. If, if it gets really tough out there and it's going to crush us. So um, I'm taking nine. What's your strategy? How many are you taking? Again, not so much of a strategy here in terms of, it's more of efficiency and logistics packing. Yeah. It's got, cause, cause you've got to keep the bat, the weight of your bag under. So that's why I'm not taking more balls. You, I, you can only take so you, so much weight. Everyone knows I'm a, I'm a huge yellow and black soccer ball guy, the Callaway Truvis, yeah. you know, no free ads, but uh, I've been rocking those for at least two years. Absolutely love <laughs> the way that they play. Would not think of playing anything else over in Scotland, but I'm over budget already. I have two brand new sleeves of those two in the bag right now that I've been playing with the last week. And then I unearthed a very dented up one. I believe it's actually white and red soccer ball. So I also coincidentally am taking (laughs) nine golf balls on this trip. And maybe that is sort of a side game that we play is who loses the most golf balls relative to how many they took, right? Can you make it the whole trip on the amount of golf balls? Now, maybe Cody and Zach could sandbag us a bit and take way too many balls, but uh, maybe even a side game is who who has to break down and buy a sleeve of balls first uh, to play, which is a good segue, I think, to merch. I love that. Right? A good segue to merch is we're going to spend money. Well, because we're still talking about we're still talking about our packing strategy, right? Like, yeah, how many clubs are we taking? How many balls are we taking? Because you got to think about the weight of everything. Now, when we're also packing, we got to think about how much space are we leaving in the bag for stuff that we buy while we're over there to bring back. Because some of the guys, I, Cody's talking about spending a whole bunch of money and buying a whole bunch of stuff. I'm not a big merch guy pro shot pillager, if you will. Um, I've got a different, I've got a couple strategies before we get into my stuff. I'm curious, you know, what's, what's kind of your strategy? Are you on the lookout for specific items or do you have a budget? Uh, hit us, hit us with some numbers here. I think I do have a budget. I would have to consult my in-depth spreadsheet. I think I put a number in there for merch. If it, I did, it's a very low number because I am not, I would say I'm a, I'm a low scale merch guy i'm not against merch but i also really feel strongly about a um you're really not there to be on a shopping spree b i get the idea that you know we bring stuff back because their memory kind of helps us remember a memory but i got too much i got too much stuff already so i i'm gonna go pretty bold here do some damage at i have seen you do some damage at a bally neal 
pro shot before. I have, and you know, sometimes <laughs> my impulses get the better of me. Uh, so it's for me, it's going to be very dependent on truly is this. We'll, we'll call it the is this sick scale. Yeah, that's yeah, the I'm, that's the litmus test because I'm certainly not going over there with the intent to. I'm going to buy a polo from every course that we play. Buy a right. pullover right. from every course that we play. I am going to be not on the lookout for anything. In fact, I am going to be bold and go in with a, I am not going to buy any merch except logoed logoed golf balls. I do have a solid logoed golf ball collection going at the house. And I am going to commit that besides one logoed golf ball from each course that we play, I'm going no paid for merch i'm going to collect scorecards i'm going to collect pencils uh do something like that to commemorate the scottish golf trip and be my normal frugal self and say no merch you i I agree you normally are frugal and normally aren't a big merch guy but i I feel like i'm gonna go i'm gonna bet against you and i'm gonna say you're gonna you're gonna see something that you love and uh and and go into it i'm with me and you are we very like-minded. I'm with you on, I'm not a huge merch guy. My strategy is normally to take as much free stuff as possible because all these courses get, you know, they usually give you, you're getting free tees, pencils, scorecards. I'm collecting the stuff that you don't have to pay for. Um, The other thing, my expectation going in is that the logos at these courses are terrible. The ones (laughs) in Ireland are, we're, we're all trash. So it didn't make me want to buy anything. Um, to be honest, I'm not a guy that's like, Oh, I've got to buy a shirt from here just to show everybody that I played here. Um, I know I played there. I, I, I do a video edit at the end of, of all my trips. And, uh, so that I can remember and go back and, and watch them. So I, I know I've been there. Um, and so the only time I'm going to buy something is if to your strategy, it's sick. Now I do have a few things that I do like to buy if the logo is good. I'm not a big putter cover guy, head cover guy. Um, I do like pin flags. Um, so I'll, I'll probably be on the lookout for pin flags. Um, there's nothing else that I'm really looking for, like in terms of like, oh, I, I've been looking for a white pullover for a year now. Like I don't need anything else. Um, and, and my expectations are that I'm not going to see a lot. So my, I'm going to put a number on it. Uh, I know I spent less than 100 bucks at during my my trip in Ireland. I'm gonna say I'm gonna up that a little bit. I'm gonna say I spend 150 bucks on merch. All right, so I'm not gonna count my golf balls. So I'm gonna just to keep it simple for the folks. My number is zero. I don't know what wow. I said nine golf courses, didn't I? So let's even say it's yeah. five bucks a ball. All right, so let's yeah. let's say so let's say fifty dollars. Let's say fifty dollars yeah. for my yeah. logoed golf balls. That's my number. Nothing I outside think you spend of that. More than hundred. And you're saying hundred and fifty. So those are our two numbers. Okay. Well, there you go. We will check this. We like to hold ourselves accountable to our goals, to our our games, and we'll add this to the accountability scale. And we will also, again, christen the hashtag is it sick test on any purchases should we decide to go outside of our budget. Hop, we're kind of getting into Megapod status here, which you know the founder loves. Keith loves a Megapod, but we want folks to hang with us. And so we're going to kind of blow through the next bit of this. 
However, I can't let you get out of here without telling me one thing that you were looking forward to outside of the golf on this trip. Uh, most honestly, mostly it's just hanging out with, with the rest of the guys at a pub at the, at the end of the day and, and having a Guinness. Um, it's not going to be the food. We know the food is, is going to be trash over there. I'm setting the expectations low. Sorry for any of the wow. Scottish listeners that wow. we have. Dude, um, we, <laughs> we just lost our five UK listeners. Uh, I'm sorry, everyone. Hop does not speak for the rest of us. <laughs> hope i'm setting the expectations low so that if, if if the food is solid like i i'm pleasantly surprised i hope i can take that back i i'd be i i would love to do an apology and, and have to, to come back on and uh and apologize for that i hope the food's going to be good um i'm, I'm going to take my drone i'm going to fly and get some video but outside like this is truly a uh, you know i'm going to be by myself for for half the trip this is going to be a golf Drink beer, maybe a little scotch. Make, make, I, I'd love to have time for a, a scotch whiskey plant tour, um, but it's going to be a, a golf and a hang out with the boys trip for me. What about you? You, you getting anything else in? Uh, well, I'll be a softie here and say I am truly against my better judgment or against my better knowledge. Looking forward to the family uh, week of the trip as much as yeah. I am the golf. I mean, my wife and I, uh, contrary to popular belief on my end, we work really, really hard, both at uh, life, professional, and parenting, and we debated should we take the kids on this trip or not, ultimately decided that how many times are they going to get the opportunity to travel internationally, and certainly at a uh, age where they are very impressionable, uh, again, as nine-year-olds, so I am truly Looking forward to that experience of a few days in London, uh, the overnight train I think the kids will love, and then spending time in Edinburgh, going up to Edinburgh Castle on the 4th of July. Again, we're posting this, I think, on the 6th of July-ish, so uh, time stamping it a bit. But uh, yeah, the family trip, I'm very, very much looking forward to. All right, last question for you before we set the sun on our Scottish golf trip preview we made the boys answer it in their profile pieces. What course, excluding the old course, because as Cody said, if you don't say the old course, what are we even doing here? What course are you looking forward to playing the most on this trip? This is tough to answer because there's like, I mean, there's like four or five of them. Uh, but for me, I think I mentioned it earlier, is Cruden Bay. Um, I, I love big, bold courses um you know tobacco road type stuff sand valley mammoth dunes um and so to me it sounds like from from the research and, and other people talking that cruden bay has the quirky weird stuff that you don't see every day the blind tee shots the funky greens um cruden bay is what i'm looking forward to seeing the most what about yourself man i knew this question was coming and i still don't have a great answer because there's so many directions i could go here I am probably looking forward to North Berwick the most, and I know that that was already said by Big Fish. I really, really seem to be in alignment with our guy, DJ Pihowski, DJ Pie of the No Laying Up Collective. He calls North Berwick his favorite golf course in the world. He's been there multiple wow. times. He has seen everything from 
Australian golf to New Zealand golf to domestic golf to golf in Scandinavia, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. He calls North Berwick his favorite course in the world. I can't imagine if that's the case that it won't become my new favorite golf course in the world. So I'm going to say I'm most looking forward to North Berwick. It happens to be the first golf course that I'll ever play in Scotland. Seems like that will be a thing. And so uh, give me the West Links of North Berwick as the place that I am most looking forward to team it up. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe we're scheduled, me and you, to play a major match play event at that at North Berwick. Me versus you, Stewie Nass Society Championship, and if you if you win that match, it's definitely gonna it's definitely gonna be your favorite. That's a big announcement that we almost forgot to make. I, we have a. I feel. Uh, I feel like I want. I, I'm it, it, the the home the 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 you know vibe for you is going off the charts right now. I'm kind of thinking about uh, trying to talk you into rescheduling <laughs> somewhere else because you're already vibing way too much with North Barry. Well, here's the deal. I think what will offset the vibes that I have there are you're going to be coming off four straight days of playing golf. I'm going to be coming off of not touching my clubs for like 10 days off a family trip. As much as I'm looking forward to that family trip, I'm sure I'll be a little worn down from my two nine-year-olds finding themselves fighting constantly. (laughs) So I think we have some neutralization there. My vibes versus your form coming into that Thursday afternoon at uh, 1,340 hours on the, on the links of what of North Barrick. So, yes, look out for that on social media. Again, we're posting this on the 6th. I think we are playing that match um, really as you guys here in the States are waking up. So, to our folks, Nolo, Dragon, BC, and the Frenchman, Colin Dubois, we hope that you are experiencing some viewing pleasure via the WhatsApp thread for the uh, probably the only time that the Stuart, Nat, Stewie, I'm going to start that over. Probably the only time that the Stewie Nat Society match play championship will be played in Scotland. And, guy, I can't wait to score off against you. I can't wait for this trip. Dude, I'm stoked, man. Let's go. Let's do it. Let's do it. Folks, we wish you could all be there with us. Truly, nothing would be cooler than taking our entire golf sicko network on a epic golf trip maybe that will be in the cards whenever we have more oil and gas plunder to pump into this podcast but in the meantime it is golf season we're hope you play in the lincoln park club championship this week we're hoping you get out to boiling springs this summer and experience all that it is regardless of where you're playing get outside and enjoy the walk <laughs>